0: Welcome to Meet the Filmmakers at the Apple Store Covent Garden in London. Please welcome your guest moderator, Ali Plum. Hello. <laughs> they don't pay me, so that's literally all I'm here for. I'm off now. So thank you so much for coming down to this really exciting meek. Meet the Filmmakers. We're about to meet very important people, but before we do, let's watch the trailer for Finding Dory. Hello! Did you hear that? What was that? You're what?
1: Stan, I just, I heard someone say hello.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of fish here. Anybody, literally anybody could have just said hello. hello. There. Where am I looking? There. Oh. Hi, I'm Dory.
1: Yeah, well, where are your
2: parents?
0: Hi, I've lost my family. Where did you see them last? I forgot. I was looking for something and I...
1: Okay, totally get it. Date night. I suffer from short-term memory loss. It runs in my family. At least I think it does. Where are
0: they? Dory, there you are! Guys! Look out! Ah! Oh, look at this. Our friend got taken into whatever this place is. It's a fish hospital.
2: I feel fantastic!
0: Fishy! Dude. Name's Hank.
2: I have to find my family! That's a hard one, kid.
3: Well, I guess you're stuck here. You're not helping, Bill. Grab the things. I lost my family. That is so sad. You weren't... Not a great swimmer. Our friend
0: is in there lost, alone. Bailey, you've got to use your echolocation. Ooh, I feel stupid. Poor baby. Let me get that for you. Woo! Mom!
2: Dad! She should just pick two, and let's go.
3: Dad. What? I'm kidding. I get the feeling they're shushing us for a reason. Like something with one big eye, tentacles, and a snappy thing? Well, that's very specific,
0: but something like that.
3: Somewhere out there is my family. I can't find them on my own. Hang on, Dory! Surf's up, dude! me!
0: I don't want to be touched. Sorry. That's okay. Everybody does it. Nothing to be ashamed of. Ah! I trust Becky. You trust Becky. Becky's eating a cup. Ah! Just keep swimming. Mom,
3: Dad? Does this mean we have to say goodbye to Dory? I don't know why I thought I could do this.
2: Dory, you are about to find your parents. And when you do that, you'll
0: be home. Sea lions. They are natural predators. They could pounce at any moment. Mate, don't you worry about.
2: Don't you worry about a thing.
0: I've already seen the movie, so I'm uh, welling up again. So, please welcome, with the warmest round of applause possible, three very important people. Please welcome Angus McLean, Lindsay Collins, and Andrew Stanton. I really trust memories.
1: nobody because I brought my purse with me. It's my purse. It's, yeah. Why don't we?
0: Is this thing on? Hello? So, how hard has it been over the past 13 years fielding all of the questions about this movie? <laughs> 13 years of fielding questions about this movie? When's the sequel coming? Ah, yeah, ba- mainly from just
3: Ellen. Ellen uh, bugging us every uh, month or so from the show. Yeah. No, we, we, we did a good job of ignoring her, <laughs> uh, and moving. And I had other movies I was doing, and um, honestly didn't think there was going to be a sequel. Uh, I think it, 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 what surprised me was, because I didn't watch the film for about seven years after it came out, because I'd seen it so many times, and um, 2011 I, we were watching a uh, screening of it, because they wanted us to approve a 3D version of it and I probably saw it for the first time objectively as a audience member. And I walked out just going, oh my gosh, I'm completely worried about Dory, completely unresolved about her. She, she doesn't know where she's from. She could forget Marlin and Nemo get lost. She still apologizes for a short-term memory loss. That's not fair. She needs closure, it, and then it just, I couldn't drop it. Then I realized there's
0: one more thing left to be done based on that first movie. Were there things that you wanted to do in Nemo that you weren't able to do or didn't have time to do that you got to fulfill in this movie?
1: Resolve Dory's story. Resolve Dory's story, yeah. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> you did not resolve No, but that was it.
3: That was it. Um, no, I was very, at the time, very satisfied with how Nemo finished. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, I, I, there isn't.
1: There are some technical. I mean, certainly technology 13 years ago kind of provided some restrictions in terms of what you could do and couldn't do. Not a lot, but I mean, you couldn't you know, pass the camera through the water surface, or, or at least if we did it, we did it once or twice. And, and uh, so technologically, s- clearly, there was some limitations that have now been removed, so.
0: We saw just there in the trailer, there's a really impressive sequence involving an incredibly scary squid. Would that be the kind of thing where you go, look, I'd love to do it, but that's like a year?
2: Uh, I think originally that wouldn't have been possible. Uh, the squid has uh, a lot of technology that we're also using in Hank the Octopus that just wasn't available to us then because of the breakthroughs we've had in technology. Uh, interestingly, uh, Star Wars fans uh, should note that the <laughs> the tentacles that Hank has, the the, the technology for that was uh, adopted while we were making the movie. Stolen, it was, Sto- taken. Uh, uh, share. It was taken. I like to think of it, it as corporate Bone. sharing. Yeah. Bone. Uh, no credit. Uh, got no credit. Uh, to Star Wars for the the Tar sequence. Uh, with the, on the Han Solo space freighter. I hope that's not spoiling any of uh, <laughs> st- The force of w- Anyway, I think it's out probably here. Uh, check it out on iTunes. All right.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be huge guys You're gonna love it That's actually blown my mind now. I'm gonna rewatch that movie in a whole new way Unbelievable yeah. you mentioned him Hank is one of the best new characters. I love him so much Let's watch a clip of Dory meeting Hank
2: Everything's fine. positively. Hey, you.
1: Oh. Spinner. Oh, thank goodness. Hi, I'm Dory.
3: I'm name's with... Hank.
2: How sick are you?
1: Sick? I'm sick.
3: Why else
2: would you be in quarantine?
1: Oh no. How long do I have? I have to find my right. family. now
2: Don't get hysterical. Uh-oh. Not good.
1: What? What is it? What happened? Oh,
2: <gasps> what's that? That there is bad news. It's a transport tag for fish who can't cut it inside the institute. They get transferred to permanent digs, an aquarium.
0: That's the incredible Ed O'Neill.
1: It is yes. the incredible Ed
0: O'Neill. Yes. Always the man for the job.
3: Yeah, um, we are very lucky. When, you, when you're uh, trying to cast uh, the sequel to a very uh, successful uh, original movie, uh, all the agents uh, answer your phone calls. Interesting. So pretty much uh, everybody that we cast in this film uh, was our first choice. So we, we never thought of anybody besides Ed O'Neill being Hank. And, and that includes anybody else. Diane Keaton, Eugene Levy, Ty Burrell, Caitlin Olsen. Yeah.
0: Just get spoiled, guys. I'm sensing a lot of you guys have your own questions, and I want to let you have that opportunity. So I'm going to pass it over to you guys. Whoever is feeling the most brave, please put your hand up, and someone will be with you with a microphone to your left and your right, I believe. So hands up. Or did I read the room wrong?
2: There's a guy at the Genius Bar. needs some hel- I think he needs some yeah, help. He needs <laughs> hey, um,
0: thanks for doing this, guys. Um, I'm a huge fan of Wally. It's like one of the best films I think Pixar's ever made. I want to know sort of. What lessons you guys felt that you learned making that movie that you were able to bring to this one? Oh, interesting. Um,
3: well, I'm think w- the, I, it, I don't know if it's specific to Dory, but the biggest lesson I learned working on Wally was that um, your when you take away something like dialogue, um, your brain wants becomes extra attentive to every other sense. I guess it's the equivalent of if you lost, you know, either your sight or your hearing or whatever. All your other senses that remain become very, very, very heightened. So you pay way more attention now to what the music's doing, to what the lighting's doing, to what the camera's doing. These are things you're always doing, but when you reduce one, the, the rest have to fill up that, that, that vacuum. And uh, so it be you, be you be end up understanding that better when you're doing that in small. On certain sequences or scenes or moments in any film after that. Uh, that's what I took away from it.
2: I, I think there's something about uh, the Spartan nature of, especially the first act of Wally, that uh, shows the limits of what the audience can handle and how much credit they're given. And so for me, a lot of it was how much you could uh, reduce your performance uh, given the context of the scene. Oh, uh, you mean, like minimalism. I said like the minimalism, yeah. the aspect of like, if you're going to tell these, sto- the, if you're going to put this scene next to that scene, the scene in between, maybe you can get away with less, yeah. and how little you can get performance-wise.
3: One of the interesting facts on Dory, and I don't know if this is a byproduct of Wally, but uh, I'll use it as an excuse, is there are less shots in Dory than any other film I've worked on. That's where right, like
1: 200 shots less. 200
3: shots less. So you're, you're spending way more time uh, staring at a singular scene of animation or shot of animation. So that's way more acting that's going on. So it just shows you how confident we've become with the uh, acting ability of our animators, and uh, because really it's just floating faces. That's that's all. That's all. Uh, that Nemo was the Adori working is. title. Yeah, uh, floating faces. We finding felt like Finding Dory. Faces. We were told by the marketing but, uh, department. It, it would just have shows more. you how, how much you really believe in the characters and invest in them. Because we, we, we just it, so there's
0: a little bit it, you breathe a little easier in a
3: odd way with an underwater movie uh, uh, on Finding Dory. So.
0: If Wally's one of Wally's biggest challenges was the absence of dialogue. What would you say was finding Dory's? I'm guessing it's having a lead character who cannot remember pretty much anything.
3: That's correct. You would be correct.
1: Yes, sir. So,
0: <laughs> so do you write a do you write a line in the script and you're happy with it, and then five minutes later you go, no, she's not gonna, that's not gonna.
1: We we had a lot of versions of the film. Um, I mean, a lot of versions of the film. And and kind of initially, um, we found that she was very annoying. Like, um, there was, I mean that she kept forgetting stuff to the degree where she felt silly or stupid or and just didn't feel like Dory and and it was like it was one of those things where it's like no I know who Dory is and that's not who she is yeah. and um so a, like a screening or two went by and and we've kept kind of running up against that and then um we did another pass and we recorded Ellen actually which was huge because what Ellen's voice brings to it is like a sense of kind of just intelligence and wisdom and street smarts and um, kind of vulnerability that is not at all stupid or silly. And um, so that helped us a lot. It instantly made us go, okay, that line, those lines are working. Those lines aren't working. That scene is working. That scene's not working. Um, But then we had to just start to kind of rely on a lot of other things. Like she has emotional memory, which is true from the first film. She remembers when she loves somebody, she just doesn't remember the details or their names, and um, and and we and she has memory floods like we had at the end of the first film. So we kind of started to go through our, our bag of tricks on that.
3: But it took, us, uh, it took us about two years to really solve all the pieces that were needed to make you track her growth through the film. I mean, th- I learned the hard way that like, wow, when you give somebody short-term memory loss, they have no ability to self-reflect and say, this is how I felt earlier versus now. And when you take that away, you can't tell how somebody's changing through a movie. And then, so the story became, no matter what we did for about a year and a half, people would watch it and go, I don't really get what's going on with her. And we, it was just real lesson for us and it became really hard to solve it. There's a l- it's a long grocery list of things we did to ultimately solve it. Andrew but would be like, yeah. who came
1: up with this character? I hate him. I hate him. Yeah. And I'm like, it's you, yeah. you did it, it's your fault.
0: You mentioned earlier, Andrew, how you felt with, with Nemo, you know what, I put a bow on it, Yeah. that's the end of the film. How and when do you know when to walk away from a film? Because the saying goes, it's when never finished. When they take it away from you. Like <laughs> from your hands. <laughs> yeah, from your, your, your grip, yeah.
3: Um, I don't, I'd like to think that as, as you know, I mean, this is like film, what, 16, 17? Uh, film 17. Yeah, um, somewhere around film 10 or so, we started to get better about how to time our fixes and, and and I mean, four years is a long time to work on a story. And we've gotten very good about how long it takes us to actually produce the film. It takes about a year and a half. But there's just no, there's just no fast way to solve a story, but we've gotten smarter about how to use our time. And, and uh, so we, I, 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 it, I, I can't even think of a time that we've had to close the book and and there was regret. I mean, it, some of that's also our working style at Pixar. We're, we're firm believers in 11th hour changes, that w- we, we really understand that sometimes it's not until dress rehearsal that you suddenly get what's wrong, what's that missing ingredient, what's that last little 10% that's gonna actually improve the whole movie by 90%. And so we've now structured how we produce and put on our show so that we can afford to make those last minute changes. You know sort of saving your monopoly dollars so, you know till the end some of them. So
0: what happens if say Angus or Lindsay comes up with a really great joke but in like the edit room you put it in. You put it in. Yeah. We, we have we, they're, they're,
3: we were in the mixes and there was moments where we were like that shot has to be twice as long and we've sent all our animators to another yeah. show. Call them back and let's let's lengthen it, you know?
2: We were literally on the Sony stage uh, recording the music and we needed to lengthen a shot. So it was like a a texting, uh, like trying to describe, there's this one part where the thing has to be a little different here. And I'll try to be more specific. And you, you're trying to let them know as soon as they as possible whatever change it is, so they can put it into the pipeline. But as far as our regular process I goes, was
1: completely unaware of all of this, by
2: the way. Well, now it can and be you told. Don't the movie, tell the producer. Yeah, at that yeah. Point. You don't. Right then, that's why I went outside to the alley. Uh, I was like, oh, I want to check out where Judy Garland uh, first all made out with Mickey sense. Rooney. Uh, next Thank to the schoolhouse on the MGM lot. Anyway, uh, that when, we, when we're making the movie, we're working very hard in editorial. Uh, we, 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 we story department, they put a scene up. We look at an editorial with temp dialogue, uh, a temp track of uh, music, a temp track of sound effects, and we react to it. We'll look at it, a- Andrew will give some notes, and often we'll throw out new ideas. And uh, we have a, a system where we can throw in new drawings right there in the room that Andrew and I will do. Uh, or we'll have s- the story department come in and they will redo drawings. So we're often uh, coming up with new, new gags and new jokes and quick fixes for the sequences we're working on. If we need to re-record dialogue or temp dialogue, say we need to do a line with Dory, we actually use Lindsay here uh, for the temp dialogue for Dory uh, and Andrew does, does Marlin. And if uh, you need r- random worker guy,
0: I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> You're always Uh, the random Random worker guy. I really love random worker guy's work. Thank you. Thank you. Just so you know. He's good. Um, Another question from you guys. Please don't be bashful. Put your hand up. Something
2: really specific and nerdy. Come on. Yeah, come on. Let's talk about frame rates.
1: Hiya. Hi. Hi. I don't really have my question formulated in my head, so I'm just going to blur it out. now that the uh, Finding Nemo audience is much older because it's 13 years on, did you guys feel that pressure to kind of enlarge in your target audience and satisfy a bigger crowd of people?
3: The, the truth is I never think about who the audience is. Um, I've always just written basically selfishly for myself and for the other people. And I think yeah. we just happen to have kind of all ages tastes and I think we're just immature enough that it works for the kids yeah. as well. But I've, I think it's dangerous to think about who your audience is. I've never seen, I just never grew up thinking that animation was for kids. I just thought it was a really cool medium that certain stories should be told in. And um, so I, I, uh, I, I just try to w- make something I would want to see. That's
2: the only way yeah. you, c- yeah, I'm sorry. The, the only way you can really have your, your uh, North Star to guide you when you're making the movie is that you, that you believe in it. And if you were trying to make it for someone other than yourself, it's really hard to figure out what decisions to make. Uh, so that's, that's really is how we figure out what we like. is like, how do we make our friends laugh? I don't know. And
3: yeah, and frankly, I work with, you know, uh, there's what's it, about 1,200 people now in the building who are some of the smartest, talented, most talented, and uh, funny, and pickiest critical people I could ever be with. So to get past them, you pretty much know you can get past everybody else,
0: so. If you make John Lester laugh, that's it. Yeah. You yeah. got it.
1: John's actually pretty easy to make laugh. Yeah. I'm just kidding, he's not, I mean. So, sorta.
0: what would be a joke or a, or a message or something or a piece of dialogue in uh, Finding Dory where you go, you know what, that's, that's too meta, that's too adult. Does that happen?
3: I don't well know, I, I, we, d- we, we, vi- we try very hard to avoid things that are topical. Because we're in it for the grandkids, not the kids, I- in, in a way. I, I don't literally mean kids, but I just mean it generationally. We're in it for people that are going to watch it maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I remember watching Bugs Bunny cartoons, and there's some yeah. that are very old that, like, suddenly yeah. there's Humphrey Bogart caricatures and yeah. all these other things, and I don't get it. And then there's, there's ones that are later where they stop doing that and they seem timeless. And it's a lesson to, what: are you in this game for the long term or the short term? So we stay away from topical if we can. But there is a joke.
1: There is a joke. Uh, you guys have not seen the movie, so I have to, right? I mean, there, there is a joke in there that is that, that we all thought was going to be way too meta. And we're pretty convinced oh yeah. it was going to get cut. And the joke started off about this small. And then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And when you see the movie, you're going to be like, that's the one she was talking about, because we were all like, "There's no way they're going to let us keep this in the movie," and they did, and so there this is go. probably the
3: perfect place to tell this issue we had. The movie's 13 years later, and in that time, iPhones got invented and became the norm. And we had this big debate that in the movie, it's a year yeah. later, yeah. Do we put iPhones no, in the film? No, no,
2: And we said no. It's, it's going to wreck the, the nope. continuity. You know, we're gonna no, it would wreck the continuity. Because kids don't we're use iPhones. Yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't important <laughs> to the
0: story, but a touchscreen technology <laughs> is just not going to, you know. If it makes you feel any better, I watched a movie uh, a couple of months ago, which was set in 2011, and it had an Xbox One in it. And I was like, nope, came out next year, not yeah. having any of that. Yeah. I'm um, oh, Mr. Nerd, Technology so... Technology is not...
3: I mean, if you notice in Wally when he plays Hello Dolly, he puts on a video iPod. And in the time... I put that in right when that had come out. And Steve thought Steve Jobs thought that was really funny because he knew before the film was, relee- was like released... <laughs> it like, be you gone. you and your video and it iPod. it would be something else. And sure enough, you know, it was... I
2: Ooh. mean, uh, Hello Dolly was in theaters when you started on that film, so it <laughs> uh, just shows you now it's a classic, so...
0: Another question from you guys. Uh, This gentleman right at the front. Hi. Uh, Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, In terms of Nemo's voice, because it's 13 years later on, how did you keep Nemo's voice the same?
1: It's not. It's a different It's Anti-growth hormones, right?
0: No. Um, No,
1: he's a new, we recast him. Yeah. um, And he does the original Nemo. He's now 21. He's now 22, I think. 22. Yeah. And uh, he's got a, actually like a cameo in the movie yeah. um, as a different part altogether. But we were like, oh, Nemo's still living with his dad and he's 21.
3: Yeah, We, we decided we couldn't That's do that. That's a
1: whole nother movie. Like, Finding an Apartment yeah. is what it would be called. Finding, finding, an, finding an Apartment for Nemo would have been finding the title. A life is
0: so, was writer's block a problem for making this movie?
3: Uh, no. Uh, not really. Uh, w- th- I at least I equate writer's block with like not being inspired. We were always inspired, always had stuff, but but just solving Dory was just so hard. Um, a- on all these movies, and Dory was no exception. You you end up kind of. We did like nine drafts of the movie over f- over three and a half years, and that's that's I, th- I think uh, Nemo was twelve, and. Um, and you end up doing about four or five completely different versions of, of the of the movie in e- in any uh, in any of these films. Uh, so so there's a lot of great ideas. I mean, a lot, and that's a lot of the reasons why I think there seems to be a, a nice continuity with something like Toy Story one to two, or two to three. There's so many ideas that get put to the side that were came from the original think tank, and they. And even if they don't end up in the, orig- the film you were originally doing, you, c- you go back to that sort of costume box or that prop box, and you find another home for, th- for those in other films. Uh, 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 like, uh, so there is so much stuff in Toy Story 3 and 2 that are actually born from ideas in 1993 for Toy Story 1. They just didn't have a home then,
2: you know? And they still try to get C&C Music Factory I- into the movies, but that now it's... Someday! It, now that was a big
0: joke. For those of you who are over 40, okay. All of them. Showing your
2: age.
0: I loved it. Uh, Another question from you guys. Uh, Lady at the back. Hey. Oh, that was loud. Um, Hi. Basically, you said that you were working on the. No, sorry. You made a sequel to Toy Story, Monsters Inc., now on Nemo. Are you working on Incredibles?
3: Yes.
1: The, uh, we, yes, we, we are, are pleased not, to announce three today. of us, yeah, no, the yeah. three of us have, no. been, have been busy, but yes, Pixar is working on
0: Incredibles, the Incredibles two. Two.
2: Yeah.
0: I am not, just so you know. That chap there. Hi, this is a question for Angus. Um, oh dear. You've worked on a lot of short films, Small Fry, uh, Toys of Terror. Can I just ask about how, what has working on the short medium brought in a different way to working on such a big feature um, like Finding Dory, what's different um, and what's, what's kind of difficult to, to adapt to that? Um.
2: Well, you, when you're working on a short format, you, you, uh, you can kind of tell like one joke. Like if it's a real short, it's like one joke and then you're kind of out and you have to worry so much about the emotional character arc. As it gets longer, the audience gets more restless uh, as a few minutes pass by. So uh, certainly for a feature, it needs to be based around uh, the main character's journey and making sure that they change over the course of the film. Uh, and, I, and I think that th- that, that happens in the, uh, in the other formats, but it's, 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 a, greater, it's a greater degree uh, on the feature. The feature takes so much longer to make. Uh, when you're coming from the shorts mentality, you usually have one, maybe two sessions with any talent you would have. If it's a small, uh, if it's a character, it's a small role. You have one session, so there's really this this uh, tremendous pressure to to do it once and to get it right very very quickly. Whereas the feature is a totally different uh, uh, method of, of thinking. You're more sketching in the notions of the film and reacting to it rather than having to to hit it right out of the gate as quickly because your your budget's a little bit longer and, and and your your time is a lot longer. So getting adjusted to the the more Leisurely pace of this of the feature comparatively was a a, definitely a a mental shift and and it's a different muscle And so it was it was that was a fantastic thing to learn for the feature
0: Uh, Imagine you're a new filmmaker you've got the budget you've got an idea you're making a movie What would you imagine would be the most common mistake that new filmmakers make in your experience?
3: Uh, I saw this card once in film school um Student films come in three lengths. Uh, Too long, much too long, and much, 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 much too long. And, uh, or maybe I've got that right, but, uh, and and, and, uh, so there's a sense of preciousness that you fall into because of all the time spent, or because all the thought put in, or because you just fell in love with something. And the truth is, if you really are in it for what the best film or story should be versus what you want, uh, you got to be open to cutting some of your favorite stuff, yeah. and and recognizing that that's not what the film wants, uh, I- and and it doesn't start telling you that until you've gone a certain amount of distance. Um, so, uh, being precious also slows down your pace, and frankly, it's a, it's a, it's an iterative thing. It's I- everybody understands practicing an instrument. If you wanted to like learn the violin, you wouldn't say, well, I'm going to give myself like two or three shots at it and then I think I can play it. You're gonna say, how many times can I practice before I have to be on stage in front of people? And making a movie's no different. So you're like, how many times around can I put up this idea or write the script again or shoot until I've got as many chances at it? And so if, if you're precious, you are cutting off time. And that's the thing you can't get back. You can't get back time. You can maybe convince somebody, for more money. You can maybe convince somebody for more props or uh, other ideas, but you can't get time back. So you never want to waste that.
2: I think that's something that's very interesting that Andrew was keenly aware of being as experienced as he is. That Three or four years ago, uh, Andrew was very stressed out about the time of maybe the last six months of production. And I think it was really helpful to say, like, don't worry about this now because we'll need that, we'll need that time later. We're going to spend this amount of, time, m- amount of time worrying about it, but really we need to focus our efforts in getting the general picture and then really focusing on the details as we get to the final six months because we're not going to get any more time.
1: Yeah, th- I think there was also, I mean, it's just uh, the simplest way to put it is that you know you're going to be wrong nine, not at least nine times.
2: <laughs> at least I will. Um, yeah. I
1: mean, and that's uh, yeah. nine versions of a script are going to be wrong, so don't sweat it. Like get to the end of that sentence, I'm finish always saying the sentence, finish the
3: sentence, finish the sentence. Put it
1: up and then we're going to figure out what's wrong with it and we're going to try it again. And so it was all about making sure that we didn't start getting into the weeds, yeah. you know, on, on version one, because it's not going to get thrown out.
3: You don't want to be a bad joke teller like Marlon, where they're like, well, there's this guy. No, wait. And then start over again. You just just finish the bad joke. Just take it all the way to the
0: end. Yeah. It's so easy to be a critic. Uh, I know from personal experience. So you just stick it on the wall and yeah. then say it's rubbish.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Your turn. We've just got a few minutes to go, so let's have some cracking questions. The guy right at the back, maybe after this guy. Hi. Um, the use of uh, flashbacks in Dory was, you know, something fairly new. But uh, uh, were you worried that flashbacks wouldn't work, considering the fact it was dropped from Nemo originally? Oh. Uh, actually, yes. Right uh, what
3: happened is that. We never put flashbacks in Dory until the end because I was avoiding it like the plague for the whole thing because it had bit us so badly on the first film. I don't know if people know the history of Nemo, but that entire beginning of Nemo with the tragic death of the family, everything, and if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry um, the uh, the uh, that was actually not told up front it was in, it was alluded to very abstractly, and then it was showed in pieces as you move through the film, and then the actual tragedy was all explained to you as the fishing net was going up. And it worked narratively, but what happened is that you never liked Marlon, because you never understood why he was so nervous and fearful. And my editor and co-director, Lee Unkridge convinced me to finally, in the, like, the last eight months of production, to shove it all to the front, and it changed the movie 100%. And suddenly all these lines and moments that people were critiquing and saying I should change about Marlon were fine because you understood him, you were empathetic. And so I took away from that, including everybody else, like never do flashbacks. And what turns out is that that was the missing piece all along that was still frustrating us until about same time eight months ago with Dory is that we realized these weren't cinematic conceits. these These were dealing with her handicap. It was like letting somebody have sight for just a moment that had that was blind, just to understand, you know, what was going on emotionally with them for a moment. And so you basically, I don't see them as what you call flashbacks, I see them as memory hits. I see them as like, you get to have this little moment of experience of what it's like for Dory to get a flash of something. And it allowed you to emotionally invest in her growth and in who she was searching. You got to know a little bit more about this family you were searching for. So emotionally it helped the film like so much. And it's in a weird way; it's the inverse of the first movie, so it seemed like fitting.
1: It was pretty amazing. We were in a we were in our uh, brain trust session, and it was you know it was like our ninth brain trust, and it was just the movie just wasn't working. I mean, it was kind of working intellectually and plot-wise, but just emotionally, it wasn't working. And we were really at the end. I mean, we were about to head into an audience preview, Um, and uh, it was John who said like almost exactly what you said, which is, Andrew, I was there with you. I know why you're not doing the flashbacks. (laughs) Um, I know we all sat and held held hands and said, we're not doing that, but it's different. And he said, because I think flashbacks are always a problem because the main character is ahead of the audience. And you feel that when you're just getting flashbacks, you're like th- you're giving the audience information that the main character has, and it tends
3: to slow down the picture. And, it
1: sen- and it's frustrating, and it slows it down. And he goes, but this this is information she doesn't have. Like Dory can't remember this, so she's learning it at the same time. So it was like this big. It was kind of a permission. Yeah. It was like a permission to break your rule. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of it took it took three and a half years to to kind of get to that place where we all agreed that it was the right thing to do. Really, so.
0: That was an excellent question, um, but we, I did promise it to one guy with an excellent tash at the back, you, are, you have the final question. No pressure after the no excellent question. That was
1: an excellent question.
0: Yeah. So this has to be extra excellent. Um, Pixar films always have a universal life lesson for people to learn from, no matter what generation you're from. How do you go about choosing that? Does it come from the story, or do you, do you approach the story with that life lesson?
3: You know, I don't think about it in those terms, although I don't, don't disagree with you, but I think all good stories have some truth, is the way I like to think of it, some truth that you're focusing on or that you're you're emphasizing. It's not so much that I feel you're preaching something. Um, and I like to have it organically discovered. Like, usually I, I, I'm digging in a... When I start a story, I don't know exactly where I'm going and what I'm doing, but I sense that there's there's some truth already to the notion of it. Like, when we started with Toy Story and it was just the simple conceit of like a new toy being bought and then replacing the old one on the bed. That's actually about jealousy. We never said that word and we never thought we were starting to really talk about that universal truth. We were just picking on something that was real, that, that, that just brought out real emotions in us and just felt dramatic. And that's to me an honest way to enter working on a story. So it was this sort of a similar thing with Dory. Like I just knew she had abandonment issues and I knew that she saw herself not as n- she saw herself as a problem, not as this wonderful solution that the rest of us saw her as. And so there was a truth there of how do I change her point of view about herself? How do I give her almost like a kid uh, that needs to go out and learn to live on their own? How do I give her that sense of confidence and independence that if she does get lost again, because somehow, some way, I know she will, because she has short-term memory loss? How do I make her? almost like a parent worrying about giving a lesson to a kid, um, have that sense of, like, I can get out of this by myself. And so that eventually, about two, three years in, I was able to give you a full premise and say exactly what I was saying. But I didn't care about that I could say. It's not like I'm going to take a test. I just wanted to know I was following something that was that just felt honest. Because it feels honest to me the whole time. It'll feel honest to the rest of the, the audience. And they'll all be putting their own words into what I think you think I'm saying or what we're saying so
0: you'll be pleased to know that was also an excellent question <laughs> uh, right we have to wrap it up there so please do give a warm round of applause to the wonderful thank you Andrew thank you. Lindsay and Angus